The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to to Judea again. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been, been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask for God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for this time to come here as a family, um, to worship you, to learn about you, and to be more connected with you. Um, God, I thank you for your word, um, what it means to each and every one of us, and pray that you will uh, give Randall the wisdom and the words and the confidence to speak your truth into our lives today. In your name, amen. All right. Thank you, Bethany. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good? All right. Well, my name is Randall, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. I'm glad you're joining us this morning. And um, Billy said this earlier, but we're not trying anything new with the screen. We're not thinking like, oh, pinstripes are in right now, so we're really going to do something to the screen to make it real trendy today. That's just not, that's not our intent, but, um, you know, we're trying to fix it. Uh, so we're in the middle of this series right now called uh, Doubting Doubts, and this, this is our third week of this series. And the first week we talked about uh, John the Baptist, and, and you think of John the Baptist and, and just all the amazing things that God did through him, but yet he had moments of doubt. He had struggles. He, he, he had anxieties that he faced, and, and we don't think about that much when we think about people in the scriptures, but it's true. Um, and then we talked in week two about Nathaniel and how Nathaniel had this skeptical doubt about how Jesus really could be uh, the son of God because he was from Nazareth. And so he kind of wrote Jesus off, but then Jesus meets him in a radical, transforming way. And then we get to today's passage of scripture, uh, the sisters, Mary and Martha, in this text in John 11, um, and we looked at the 1 through 7 and then 17 through 27, really puts it together. Uh, but, and so the message as we look at these sisters is this, doubts in our heartache. Doubts in our heartache. You know, this week I was reading my devotional, um, and it was Wednesday, 
And here's the, the Bible verse that uh, in my devotional time that I read. It, it was Proverbs 14, 13. Here's what it says. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. And here's what it says uh, in the devotional part uh, from Timothy Keller. He says, experienced counselors know well the truths behind this proverb, but anyone who wants to live wisely must know them too. It means there is a tragedy and a sadness to life which no amount of celebration and rejoicing can provide a full escape. Some wounds never really heal. The festal joy that Jesus brings is always partial in this life, never full. Jesus himself did a lot of weeping, not because of anything wrong with him, but because his uh, his perfect loving heart was necessarily affected by the sadness of human life. And then it ends with, so will ours be. Uh, You see, a little further down as we look at John 11, in verse 35, it says this about Jesus. And this is profound. When we think about God, Jesus is God. And it says these two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He lived life in a way where he felt things so deeply that he wept. See, life is sad, it's hard, and there are heartaches along the way. It it happened continually in the life of Jesus, and it will happen to us. You see, that day when I was reading that proverb in Proverbs 14, 13, I got the phone call that my grandfather passed away just this past week. You see, it, it hits us at times when maybe we're expecting it, but maybe we're not. And so how do we respond to those moments of heartache and grief, sadness? See, the setting for today's text is this. It's a scene of what if? What if? Look at verse 21. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if, what if? See, on the surface, this this response can come across like, where were you, Jesus? Well, Jesus, this wasn't really the the response or the result that I was expecting. Let's be real. How many of us have felt like that? God, where are you in my grief, in my my tragedy, in, in my hardships? Why weren't you there when I needed you the most? See, and there were some reasons why Martha could have felt like this because look back at verse three. It says that the sister is sent to him, sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And isn't that interesting? The description that she, the, the sisters talk about their brother saying that the one that you love, you love him. Of course you're gonna do something for him. He's ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said this, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus, you said that this illness wouldn't lead to death. And now Lazarus has died. 
Jesus, are you contradicting yourself? What, what, what's going on here? You could have came sooner. See, on this side, we, we know the whole story. Like, we know why Jesus didn't come at that exact time. But the sisters are sitting in that tension of they don't know the end of the story. They don't know what's going to happen. So they're really struggling with this. Because here's what they're facing. In, in Hebrew culture, once a person was dead for four days, that person was completely dead. There was no coming back. Okay? And so when they're thinking about this, real doubts are starting to creep in. Right? Like it's fertile ground for it. But it could also be fertile ground for moments of faith, seeds of faith. And so on the surface, Martha's response to Jesus looks a little shallow, right? Like, okay, you could have been there. What if? But as we dig deeper, it is extremely profound as Jesus keeps pushing her. And here's the truth. God is very near to us in the midst of our doubts, struggles, hardships, and losses. He's there. But here's the key. Many times his response is not what we are expecting. It's not what we are expecting. And so how does Jesus navigate Martha and Mary and also us through our heartaches and doubts in life? Well, again, we're gonna break down this text, John 11, 20, uh, we're l- really looking at 17 through 27. And in John 11, we see three stages of healing that Jesus walks Martha and Mary through. And so I'm gonna give you all three up front and here's what they are. It starts with a deep sensitivity, a listening ear, a better promise. A deep sensitivity, a listening ear, and a better promise. And so we're gonna look at the first step. It's a deep sensitivity. Look at verses 17 through 20. Here's what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, this scene is a very difficult time for Martha and Mary. They just lost their brother. And as Jesus approached the scene, here's what we see. Martha, she goes straight out to Jesus, right? She sent word to Jesus, but now he's here and we need to go talk with Jesus. So she goes out to him, but Mary stays at home. And what we see in the response of Jesus is a deep sensitivity to both of them. See, all it took for Martha was hearing that Jesus was near. And when she hears that, she goes to him. She she shows up, right, as Jesus shows up. But what it took for Mary is for Jesus to call to her. If we go down to verse 28, here's what it says. It says that she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, so Martha says in private to her sister, the teacher is here and is calling for you. It's calling for you. 
See, here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't give this cookie cutter, cliche response to our heartaches and pains. To when we're really struggling. He doesn't say, well, this is how you should have responded. See, we all need something different. And so he approaches Martha and Mary individually with a deep sensitivity to the pain that both of them are facing and some of the confusion. See, he doesn't condemn Mary for not coming to meet him. But what he does instead is that he lovingly calls out to her and he says, Martha, I need you to go get your sister. A different response. But they both needed something different. See, what this is, is a word called grace. Grace. Grace is, it lifts the expectation off and says, I'll meet you right where you're at. And so that's what Jesus does in our lives. Right, like we don't have to clean up our act and get everything together and put on this fake facade response, but this is where they were at. And Jesus meets them right there because of grace. So first, Jesus shows this deep sensitivity to his friends. Secondly, he offers a listening ear. A listening ear. Look, Look at verses 21 through 24. Who starts the conversation? Martha. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, look at the beginning of, of verse 21. Martha starts this conversation out with Jesus with the word Lord. Lord. Now this term, which is the same term that was used all the way back in verse three, before Lazarus died, referred to Jesus as her master and themselves as disciples. Jesus, you're in charge. Right, so again, back in verse three, Jesus, you're in charge. You can heal my brother. But now we get to verse 21. Jesus, you're in charge even though my brother is dead. Lord, See, this revealed her heart. As hurt as she was, her devotion to Jesus as Lord did not change. She didn't disrespect Jesus because he came later than she wanted. See, there are times where we can face these moments of not knowing if Jesus is gonna show up. And then if he shows up in a different way or an unexpected way, then we... It's easy to say, God, what, disrespect him. Right? But we don't see that in the, the, the way that Martha responds to Jesus. You know, as I was talking with my grandmother, she was wrestling with my uh, grandfather passing away. Uh, this, this woman, it, it, her name is Grace. And that's who she is. She is a woman of grace. She loves God. 
and talking with her as she's just wrestling through this, struggling through this, I said, Grandma, how are you doing? She says, this is in the Lord's hands. This is in the Lord's hands. It's like all of this is in the Lord's hands. And, that, and when I kept talking with my grandma, it's like that's the thing that she kept coming back to. All of this is in the Lord's hands. And so I trust him. See, that's what we're seeing from Martha here. As she's wrestling through this, it's all in the Lord's hands. Then we get to verse 21 and 22. Martha says, if you had been here, verse 21, but I know, but I know. See, this again revealed what Martha believed. See, in the midst of her heartache and pain, Martha is leaning into the fact that Jesus is still in charge. She recognized that if Jesus was there, he could have healed Lazarus. And even though the results were a little bit different than she had expected, she still has confidence in Jesus. See, and here's the thing. I am thankful that all of this was recorded for us as she's walking through this with Jesus because here's the thing. It gives us the picture of Jesus just simply being a listening ear to her pain. He's just hearing her out. He's listening to what she has to say because for some of us, many, we think that God is the one that's, that's just waiting to answer instead of listen. Well, you should have known better. You should have done this thing. No. He wants to listen to us. He actually wants to hear from us. You know, there, there's a scripture in Hebrews when it talks about that the, this is approach the throne of grace. Like we can approach God's throne because of grace. Again, it's not because we deserved it or earned it or anything like that or got our lives together. It's that Jesus meets us again where we're at and he listens to what we're going through. And as all of this stuff comes out of her heart, as she's sharing it, Jesus responds with this, your brother will rise again. See, Jesus' listening ear creates space for honest dialogue. And now Jesus gives a response. And at this point, all Martha's filters were down. She was being real. She could say, if you were here, Jesus, this is what would have happened. But she can also say, I know and I trust you no matter what. And so do you believe that you can come to God like that with your hurts, pains, doubts, losses? Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You know, th there's another uh, proverb, I'm just reading it in recently, it just, it says that the, um, you know, like physically you can be okay, but when you have a crushed spirit, he says, what hope do you have? What hope do you have if you had a crushed spirit? And what that says is that in a lot of ways, because we put so much emphasis on the outside, but the, the Bible puts emphasis on the inside and says, in here, this is, this is what we really need. There's an emphasis of knowing what's going on in here and that he is able to save the crushed in spirit. 
He's able to save those who are hurting and in pain. You see, that's what we see Jesus doing here for his friends. And so what comes next? Well, we get this better promise, a better promise. Look at verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. See, as Jesus is pursuing Martha and Mary through the heartache of losing their brother, they end up receiving a better promise. And they grow a deeper faith. But in order to do this, they really had to feel the weight and hopelessness of death and loss. Here's the thing, you know, our world right now, I mean, you, you, you look at the studies and everything, there is a hopelessness, there's a weight that I feel like in a lot of ways, this generation feels maybe more than previous generations because what we've done is we've said there is no God, there is no life after death, there are no, there's nothing beyond this world. And so what's happening is, and researchers are, are, are doing a lot of study on this. They're saying basically as we've cut God out, we've lost hope. Because what we're finding is that the material world is not enough. That the world that's around us isn't enough. And so, so many people are just struggling with purpose and identity and all these things because we've just cut it all out. And so Jesus is, as we read this text, letting the sisters wrestle with that reality. Right? Death is not fun. So why did Jesus allow them to go through this? Because as they get to this very hopeless state of just saying, okay, this is what happened, they have to point to something better. They have to look towards something better. And it's the better promise that God gives them. It's the better promise that Jesus will show up with something better than what they're experiencing right now. See, what hope is there if Jesus doesn't show up? There's no hope. It's just the reality of death. But Jesus now gives them something better to hold on to. One commentator has, uh, and scholars has said this. He says, other founders of religions came to teach not to rescue. Jesus is not so much a teacher as he is a rescuer. Right, so as you get into the hopelessness, you need a rescuer. Like I don't need 10, 12 steps to a better life. What I need is somebody to rescue me from the desperate hopelessness that I have because of sin and death. So then this comes in, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. You wanna know what the gospel is? You wanna know what the hope is? You wanna know what, what this whole scene is pointing to? It's pointing to this, Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, if you read through the book of John, you're gonna find Jesus saying, I am a lot 
And this is one of those I am statements. But all of those statements and all of the stories that we see as Jesus says that are pointing to specific things about himself that can only be answered in him when we see that there's a hopelessness in this world, an emptiness in this world. See, what Jesus was about to do was raise Lazarus. He was about to do that. And the sisters didn't know that part yet. They didn't know that was coming, but he was about to do that. But here's the thing. It was temporary. It was temporary. Right? And so many times what we want in this world is we want the temporary. Like, Jesus, we, I just want you to do this temporary thing instead of understanding that Jesus ultimately comes to do the eternal thing, the thing that's going to last, the thing that's better than the temporary thing that won't last. Commentator D.A. Carson writes this. He says, ordinary mortal life ebbs away. The life that Jesus gives never ends. It is in that sense that whoever lives and believes in Jesus will never die. See, and, and, and as Jesus is saying, okay, here's who I am. I am the resurrection and the life, not the resuscitation, right? Because that's what you're about to see. I'm about to bring this dude back. To, I'm about to bring my friend back. I'm not the resuscitation and the life. I am the resurrection, eternal life. It gets personal when Jesus in verse 26 says, do you believe this? Do you believe it? The word for believe is the word pistuo, which means trust, commit to, place confidence in. Okay, I... I got a four-year-old daughter. She's our youngest. And um, she's our youngest and she's our least trusting out of all three of them. She really is. And even when she was a little baby, like I would do this with the other two. They loved it. I would throw them up in the air and catch them. And... You're like, that's dangerous. How are you doing that as a dad? You know, no, it's good for them. It's actually a really good thing for them to do that. It's been studies. Just check it out. And, um, and so whenever I would do that with her, she would tense up and her eyes would get really big, like really big. She's like, you know, and, like, and then I would like catch her and she's like, you know, and then she'd like wait for the next, you know, but she would tense up every time. And so she's still like that. And even when we were recently in the pool and I'm like, okay, trust me, I'm going to catch you. Just jump out to me, swim out to me. It's going to be okay. And she's like, you know, like, <laughs> she's like, daddy, you got to come in closer. You got to come in closer here. When we're talking about, do you believe this? We're talking about a confidence that says, maybe I might not be able to see how far you're going to be and if you're going to be able to catch me or not. But I commit to you. I commit to you. Because that's the thing. Martha did not know that her brother was going to rise again, like Jesus said. But she did know that there was an eternal promise. That was a better promise because here's Martha's response in verse 27. Yes, Lord, 
She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And this proclamation rivals the one that Peter made when he says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Right? Many times we overlook this one, but look at her proclamation and say, okay, I, I believe. And what Martha is receiving is a better promise before Lazarus is raised from the dead. And I'm going to point that out before. Right? Many times we want to see the results before we step in faith. But many times the life of faith is stepping out, trusting, saying, Jesus, you're there. I commit to you. And then you get to see. That's faith. And so that's what she's trusting in. And so just some takeaways. How do we navigate the heartaches of life? Let me give you just three things to think on. This isn't gonna be like exhaustive, right? But this is some helpful things from the text that we can take away. The first one is this. We must face the realities of pain and suffering. Like once you become a Christian, it's not like zip, all this pain and suffering is taken away from you because now you're a Christian. That's not how it works but you will face the realities of pain and suffering. There is a tension of pain and difficulty in life that we're all going to face. There's a sadness that can't be answered by cliches, pat answers. It also can't be avoided because here's the thing. When you're younger, you think this, oh, that will never happen to me. Ah, it's not gonna happen to me. Right? I don't really have to worry about that yet till later. We're older, we, we, it's easy for us to deny the pain. Somebody says, well, how are you doing? Like, well, everything's great. Everything's awesome. Like that, that's, but then you're like, man, that's, uh, is that true? Is that true? And so we don't have to deny it and say that everything's great and everything's awesome. We don't have to say that it's not there. We don't have to stuff it down deep within us. Because there's going to be some way that we're going to wrestle with it all. You know, there was a famous German poet, Rainer Maria Rilke, and here's what he says. He says, death is our friend, precisely because it brings us into, an, into absolute and passionate presence with all that is here, that is natural, that is love. And that all sounds nice and flowery. But that's not biblical. Right, like what the Bible tells us differently. The Bible tells us that death is not our friend. We are not buddies with death. Okay, like I've experienced it. I've seen it. Like the older I get, I've seen it. It is not our friend. It's not natural. Right? There are things that you're just like, oh, it's just not. No, like God didn't make us for this. It's not loving. I was recently uh, just reading up on this past week, uh, Avicii, he's a 28-year-old musician, right? Wrote this hit, um, Wake Me Up, 2013, really great song. 28 years old. And you know the thing that I was reading in an article about him was that he was just talking about how empty he felt in life. Like he had all this fame and all this success and all that stuff, but he just felt completely empty, and now his family is just, it's the way he describes his family is that we are devastated. Devastated by the loss. Right? And so the Bible tells us that death is not fun. It's not our friend. That's why Jesus wept. 
And we are in a deep need for a rescuer. That's how desperate the situation is. We need a rescuer. And so the, the second takeaway is this. As we've, we've got to face the realities of it, we need a better story. We need a better story. And so do you see G- Jesus equipping his disciples with a better story? See, look at what Martha goes back to in verse 24. She says that, you know, I believe that, that my brother will rise. The resurrection of the dead, he'll, he will be there. Right, so it, this is something that Jesus had, must have told her before. Right, that, that death is not gonna be the ultimate end, but that God, through Jesus, gives us eternal life. This is a better promise. See, and here's the thing, like that, that's like the, the, the big overarching one, but even God gives us like these little promises along the way that he'll be with us through difficult times, that he'll be there to give us the strength when we don't have any strength, right? So let me ask, like how many of us remember the promises of God when things get hard? Because there will be hard times. And so what do we go back to when we face those moments? Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in this book, uh, Spiritual Depression, says this. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. And then he talks about Psalm 42. He says, now this man's retreat was this. Instead of allowing this talk to, or this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Do you ever speak back to yourself? I, my wife has accused me of talking to myself. I do that sometimes, okay? But here's the thing. Are you talking to yourself when those thoughts are going through your mind that are really, really negative thoughts? Because it's biblical to talk back to yourself. Just like in Psalm 42, and if you need a blueprint, you can go to Psalm 42 and check that out. As, as the psalmist is preaching to himself, what do you preach to yourself? A better story, the gospel. You feel isolated, alone? Hold on a second. God says, I'm never alone, and that he's with me always. I don't feel loved today because I don't feel like I have what it takes. Well, God says he, he, he so loved the world that he gave his only son for you. And so you need some gospel in your life to help you understand that you are loved and that you are his child. Right? You gotta start speaking back to yourself a better story. We need a better story. And what we find is that Martha, in the midst of her pain, is speaking back a better story, saying he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know I'll see him again. The last takeaway is this. We can point others to Jesus in our pain. 
Look at Mary's response. I mean, she's, she's grieving, right? She's grieving and Jesus calls for her. So she runs to Jesus. But here's the thing. There were people with her as she's grieving. There are people that travel from all over to be with her as she's grieving. And so what she does next is she runs out the door. And what naturally would have happened is that all the people that were grieving with her are now coming with her to Jesus. They're running to Jesus along with her because they're there for her. Now, this is important. In your pain, where are you running to? Because that's where you're going to point others to in their pain. If you're running to Jesus, they're like, well, I guess Jesus wants to listen. He wants to be there in the midst of our trials and hurts and pains. And so maybe he will listen to me. And so I need to run to him. See, it, it points others to him. And, and here's the thing. There's this song, uh, Won't Give Up, from a band called Colony House. Now, th this song was written by a, a guy named Caleb Chapman. He's the lead singer of the band. And he wrote it for his brother, Will. Now, they went through this tragic event. And uh, it, it was on May 21st, 2008, um, Maria Chapman, who was their then five-year-old sister, um, died after being hit by the car that was being driven by the older brother, Will. So Will's driving, little sister runs outside, excited to see him. He accidentally runs her over. Devastating. And so Caleb writes this song for his brother, and here's what the words say. He says, too many dreams I don't want to dream. Too many nights alone where I can't sleep. I've got the devil on my back trying to take home from me. But I see Jesus out in front. He's reaching back for the lonely. Reaching back because he loves me. I take his hand. The words of this song, in the midst of their tragedy, are pointing people back to Jesus. How do you survive that? It's because it's taking people back to him. And so as I wrap up, how is it possible to have a better story when we face difficulties, heartache, despair in this world? It's because ultimately Jesus is the better story. Mary and Martha, they were devastated when their brother died. But then they saw the miracle as he was raised back to life. And like I said earlier, it was temporary. What we know is it was temporary. Jesus raised Lazarus. But here's what it was preparing them for. The day where they felt more devastated than they could have ever felt as they saw Jesus. Arrested, mocked, beaten, crucified, and killed heartbreaking, devastating, their best friend hanging on the cross. See, and what would they need more than anything to hold on to as they're watching Jesus die? The hope of resurrection. The hope of resurrection. And friends, as we come to the foot of the cross, the thing here is that we know, here's what we know. As we come to the cross, we know the end of the story. Three days later, 
Jesus rose from the dead. You see, Jesus' resurrection is the only thing that can transform our pain, death, heartache into joy. True joy, lasting joy, eternal joy. And so let me ask, before you, before you see it, right? Let me ask, in the midst of your doubts and heartache, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? You. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you help us to see even though things might be different than what we were expecting, harder than what we were looking at, the, uh, the end being. I, I pray, Lord, that you help us to see that you're reaching back for us in our loneliness and our doubts and our struggles and you're pulling us forward into a better story that can only be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we just pray, Lord, that you help us to see all of this and look to you when we're hurting and when we're joyful. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.